0: We are excited to have you with us today at the Baptizing Church out of Zion, Maryland. Come along as we listen to God's Word. Wow, there is a lot God wants to do tonight, and Pastor Timmy just mentioned something that was my cue. Ah, uh, Father, we give you praise. <sighs> Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. Okay. So, the first thing Pastor Timmy said was that the weights are lifted. And the Holy Spirit was sharing with me how the weights will be lifted before he said it. You know, and he used the same word, weight. Okay, so... The root word for glory and honor in Hebrew is the same word, kabod, wait. It's actually wait. The root word for glory is the same root word for honor. Wait. Wow. Remember also Pastim was talking about the four ways to maintain the spiritual glow, right? Speaking, singing, giving thanks and submitting. So the Bible says in First Samuel 2 from verse 3 there about, I mean, God was rebuking the house of Eli. And then he said, he that honors me, I will honor. And he that does not honor me, he said, I will lightly esteem. Because honor is to not lightly esteem. Honor is to place Weight. Weight. Honor is weight. The degree to which you honor God is measured by the ease of his displacement in your life. If God is easily displaced in your life, it's a sign you have not honored him enough. You can't move what is weighty to the extent that a thing carries weight. It is to that extent that it cannot be displaced except by a weightier. Matter if God does not have the weight you ought to place on Him, a little wind will displace Him. Is your life a Nazareth where Jesus is weighty everywhere in the world except in Nazareth? Jesus has glory everywhere in the world except in Lazarus. Once He gets to Nazareth, He just becomes light. The atmosphere in Nazareth drowses the glory on jesus to such an extent that you will see jesus and you pass by him the man that walked on water the man that raised the dead you will walk on him with you walk around him with your with your sickness and your disease and you will keep your sickness and your disease because you have lightly esteemed him he could in no wise do many mighty works he could he could not do many mighty works because they looked at him and said, Is this not Jesus? You grew up amongst us. We know your father. He's a carpenter. Your mother sells something at the storefront. We see your brother, Simon Joseph. What, what, is, what are these things you're saying? And he, he could in no wise do many mighty works because they didn't place weight on him. He that honors me, I will honor. He that does not honor me, I will lightly esteem to such a point where anything will blow you. Anything. You are now weightless. You know, you're not afraid of me stunning you paper. It's not going to have much impact. But how about I throw you a short put? You're going to dodge that because that has weight. And that can have impact. The impact God is not having in your life is A function of the weight you have not placed on Him. God is not the same everywhere. He's not. He is as weighty as you need Him to be. He's as weighty as you need Him to be. And sometimes He will come in the image of your pastor. But you have lightly esteemed Him. And so, even the very words... Of your man of God will not carry as much weight. But in another context, the same words. The very same words. Maximum weight. A weight that can displace sicknesses and diseases. A weight that can displace burdens. And break yokes. It shall come to pass in that day that the burdens have been lifted off your shoulders and the yoke off of your neck. What you do not realize is that it, it would, the weight will be released and lifted by another weight. It is a weight that will lift the weight until you have esteemed God to be the weightiest. Everything around you looks weighty enough to drown you. Weighty enough. So, what do you do? You bring back the Ark of Covenant to the stronghold of Zion. Every single one of us, we have a stronghold that the Ark is displaced from. Somehow, the Philistines have come to your life and have taken the Ark of Covenant and you've been, you've been satisfied with that for the last five years. You've been satisfied with the fact that the Philistines took the Ark of Covenant, the weight of Israel. The weight of Israel. The Ark t- was taken away and the mother of the son said, how can I rejoice on a day like this? It is a The weight has been taken away. There is nothing to rejoice about. Even though a child is born, There is no weight in this birth. There's no honor here. There's no honor. The real weight has been taken away. You don't rejoice when the weight is gone. You you don't rejoice in a job that does not have the weight of God's glory. You don't rejoice in a blessing that lacks the weight. And if you have the weight, even if you have everything, you are still weightless. Even if you have everything, you're still... Because the weight is departed. So what does... David do. David fights to bring back the weight back to the stronghold of Zion. The center of your life. That's the stronghold of Zion. Where nothing can displace God. Even your beloved wife. Because upon the return of that weight to Israel, it was Milka that stood as resistance to that weight. So, how, how? How adorned was the king of Israel today Dancing like a shameless man You want to stand between me and the honor I place on God Jesus, I mean David looked at her and said It is the God That picked me over and above your father Uh, That's the God I will dance before He said, in fact, I'm about to even get even more Undignified. Undignified Where nothing can displace his weight in your life. Nothing. Get to that point And honestly, honestly, everything will fit together like a jigsaw puzzle. Everything. The center does not hold. That is why all things fall apart. That is why. Bring back the ark to the stronghold of Zion. Everything will fit. Bring back the weight. It is that weight that displaces all that weights. So the issues of your life are a function of a certain displacement. Stop trying to displace weights by yourself. It's a certain weight that displaces them. It's a weight. And that weight is glory. That weight is honor. You take glory from a man, you have taken his honor. You take a man's honor, you have taken his glory. God sends his glory in men. Mm. You receive a prophet in the name of the prophet, you get the prophet's reward. You receive a prophet like a colleague, then you get a colleague's reward. No man has seen God at any time. But the Son of God, who dwells in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. But the declaration of this weight came unto his own and his own east I beg send us something more impressive and he could dare do no mighty works what are the weights in your life he that honors me I will honor but he that despises me by the things he has chosen to place weight on I will lightly esteem and once you are lightly esteemed just about anything is sufficient to displace you and make your run to and fro. Father, we give you praise. And, and, and that's, that's, that's how God will remove the weights. Did you understand that? I want us to ascribe honor on the Lord. Before we get into the word. Is that okay? So, God bless your heart, sir. Thank you so much, sir. Can you lead us in another five minutes of worship? Because I felt the weight while we are worshiping. I felt it. It was so strong. It was so strong. And someone else is here and is like, What's going on? Let me sleep. Mm, you have not placed enough weight. If you can get into the atmosphere and not be a stargazer or a scoffer or an aloof <laughs> can you just get into the waters and stare it and get, get immersed? There is a weight here. There is a weight. No problem survives that weight. No problem. Shane Tika Palata, Esulo Prefi de Tinas, Shane Petala Rekete Pando Bosa, Shate Peprokosi, Shate Perebesi Lahab, Loya Kapalash, Etaia Sharaba, Messi Kipra de Luna, can you place some weight on him this night? Tell him ascribe greatness, ascribe it. Ascribe greatness unto him. Ascribe honor unto him. Ascribe greatness, ascribe it. Ascribe it, ascribe it. Ascribe it, ascribe it. Ascribe, it, ascribe, it. ascribe greatness, ascribe it. Ascribe greatness, ascribe it. Ascribe
1: greatness, ascribe it. Shaba bella ba. Glory and honor, glory and honor, to the, on the one on the throne. Glory and honor, glory and honor, glory and honor, to the one. On the, on the throne, glory and honor. To the war on the throne, glory and honor. You read all, by all. You're right Glory and honor Glory and honor To the one On the throne Glory and honor Glory and honor
0: Amen. I I just saw an image in my heart. I saw an image in my heart. Imagine you're sitting on a very massive chair that is as weighty as 200 kg. You're sitting on it. Then you see, you see an army of ants. You know, they're marching in ranks and coming into the room. And the objective is to carry The weight. What's gonna be your reaction? That's it. That is why he that sits in the heaven laughs. That's why he laughs. He looks at himself. And he looks at the person that is trying to displace him. And he's like, are you, are, you, are, you, are you kidding me right now? Like, seriously? You, you guys connive to displace the Lord God and his anointed? <laughs> he that sits in the heaven does not have a prayer point. A prayer point is a reflection of your fear in that moment. The Lord, ah, Lord, every ounce that is trying to carry me, you don't know your weight, that's why. How, how you reveal the weight in that moment He's don't laugh. <laughs> Can I get some laughter sir? in the Holy Ghost this morning? <laughs> He's waiting. God is waiting. He's waiting. Glory and honor. Yeah, 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 butaba to the one. Ya pila batheliasi. Shabi matelo kombaya. bele shaya. Rabadiva, Hallelujah! Belebe, Eloba Cabayana Basha, Ekabala Bella 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 Abi
1: Hallelujah,
0: Hallelujah. Shimade, Shimade, Shabi da Barabaketa, Shababaya da Barabara
1: to the one, Glory and Honor, Hallelujah, to the one
0: on the throne. Thank you. Amen. And then, one more thing. How many of us here are in love? You're in love with someone? Wow. I hope your wives are not seeing this. (laughs) Okay, okay. A A number of us. When you were dating, what was the first expression when you met them? Say, after a while of not seeing each other and then you meet What did you do? What was the expression? Anyone? Huh? Huh? Joy, good. Huh? Excitement. I like that. Delight. Right? Just being in their presence. Listen. Your delight is fighting some battles for you. The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord... And he will grant you the desires of your heart. Now, God knows when the delight is because of the desires. He knows. So that is not the one he's talking about. You know, there is a type of... You understand? Scam delight. I'm delighting because I want him to grant... He knows that's, You understand? You can't scam God. He sees your heart. When you replace the desires of your heart with his delight... Do you understand? Where it's not so much about those desires anymore. It's now him. The delight... When he becomes your delight. And it's reflected when you come to his house. Mm. You you should show. You come to his presence. You You can't be in a mood now. What kind of mood is that? You can't be in a mood. That delight, that joy, that delight is like oil. It makes things happen. It just makes things happen. There is something about it. Practice it on a regular basis. That is how you tell the world that God is with you. That's how you tell the world. There is a delight that cannot be drowned. It can't be drowned by FX rates. It can't be drowned by inflation. It can't be drowned by PPT judgment. It can't be drowned by anything. It, it's a weighty joy. It can't be drowned. When you delight yourself in the Lord, He says, your desires inadvertently. When the Lord becomes your desires, everything is answered in Him. Do you understand? So, I want us to practice that for about Two minutes. How do you rejoice and delight in the Lord in your own way? You probably you probably have your own love, love language. Maybe your own love language is to frown your face. I don't know about you, but I, I, that doesn't sound like you get. So, two minutes. Delight, delight yourself in the Lord. Joy. change are dropping change are dropping change are just dropping dropping them dropping dropping change are dropping i see change dropping i see change dropping i see change dropping i see change i see change dropping i see change dropping i see them i see change i see change i see change dropping yeah i see change dropping yeah 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 i yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah die Glory! 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 glory, glory, Joy joy, in the Holy Ghost!
0: Hallelujah! Glory to Jesus! Hallelujah, Hallelujah! 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 The sheer delight in his presence. That delight in his presence. That that sheer delight. Amen. That that sheer delight. That sheer delight. Because you know who is with you. Alright. Be not troubled. God is with you. And it is reflected in your lack of anxiety. And the presence of delight and joy and that excitement because he's he's with you, he's there. He's there. So I I, I saw change dropping while we're rejoicing. Change. Change of depression. Change of depression. Change of sicknesses and diseases. The way it has come. (laughs) The way it has come. The way it has come. The way it has come.
1: Amen, Amen, Amen!
0: Wait! Wait, wait! Amen, Amen! Wait, wait, wait! Glory, glory, glory! (laughs) Glory! amen 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 so the philistines were a constant thorn in the flesh of the israelites so they had a sensing, they, they knew how Israel operated. They they sort of could tell. So whenever they heard a shout, they knew that the ark was somewhere around. Many of the fights you just once they hear a shout, a certain noise, they will just get the sensing that ah, the wait has come. We can't win this people again, no. so they would all run. So, how God usually announced that weight was with joy, all right? Was with a rejoicing, was with a shout. That is what is called the shout of a king. All right, it's a shout, it sends a signal. They don't need to be with you, they can hear it. Your 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 post can hear it, your bank account can hear it. Yes, 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 because the Philistines don't have to be in the Israeli camp to know that the ark is around. The noise was enough evidence. And when you release that sound... And the Bible says there is no sound without signification. He said, if the sound is not clear, how shall we prepare for war? So, when the sound of your joy is clear enough, everything gets it. Every, and you know, everything that was created has an ear. Everything. So, while Peter was toiling all night, catching nothing, right... He had not spoken the language that the fish understood. Jesus said it once, and all the fish in Genezareth struggled to die. So the next day there was depression in the sea. So I missed the flight yesterday, you know, because that was their purpose to heed the call of their creator. Do you see? Because he said it and they ran there. The net broke because the the fish were struggling to catch that flight. Jesus had called for them. Because they they hear, everything hears him Everything, everything hears him When you release his voice into nature When you release it Everything aligns Everything hears it So, so, so I'll give you 30 seconds to one minute You are releasing a shout It's okay to lose your voice It's okay, it's totally fine This is the most worthy voice loss You will ever have Do you understand? So for the next one minute I want you to release a sound A sound of joy A sound of rejoicing. A sound, 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 release it, release it, release it, release it,
1: release it, release it, release it, release it. Woo! Hallelujah.
0: Release it, fire Tabanas! Release the sound. Release the sound. Release the sound. Release the sound. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Release
1: the sound.
0: Release it! Release that song! Yeah! 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 Yeah!
1: that sound hey yeah. yeah.
0: hallelujah Thank you. God bless you. amen father we thank you we give you praise as we get into your word tonight we ask that everyone is blessed edified strengthened encouraged through the teaching of your word and the administration of the holy spirit thank you father for in jesus precious name we prayed can you have your seats in god's presence hallelujah hallelujah The pastor is very beloved of me. (laughs) Praise God. Can we please help me celebrate Pastor Timmy? And please, not on your seat. Not on your seat, please. Not on your seat. Thank you, sir. Hallelujah. Whilst still standing, one of the strongest anointings on Pastor Timmy is stature. He's been an old man for a long time. (laughs) No, but to be very honest, he has the resilience that defies his age, a certain stature and strength of character, integrity. If Pastor Timmy told you something 10 years ago, very likely that word is still actively being activated in his life. You know, he's, he's not wobbly at all. He's been strong for a long time, spiritually. He's been strong for a really long time and, and that's, that's a very powerful quality it's, it's, it's an enduring quality it's an enduring quality if he gives you his word he, he, will, he will make it good <laughs> praise God and that's a very powerful quality to have so can you please help me celebrate Pastor Tim once again and of course before we have our seats we have some amazing men of God in the house I may not be able to mention all your names but please help me celebrate Pastor Ayogarba Help me celebrate Pastor Osaro Jackson. Help me celebrate Pastor Rotimi Awonbiogbong. Help me celebrate Pastor Tolu Odubose. And help me celebrate our First Lady. Praise the name of the Lord. <laughs> help me celebrate, Mama. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. Are we ready for God's word? Please help me celebrate yourselves again. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. You can have your seat in God's presence. I salute all the elders in the house. Uh, thank you so much for holding the fort. Wow, Father, we give you praise. Father, we give you praise. So um, I won't go very, I won't go the way of the way Pastor Timmy has, you know, thrown me under the bus. With my titling, I'll, I'll be very straightforward. And this is probably going to be my longest title. All right? <clears throat> and Pastor Tim has laid a very powerful foundation that I'll just be laying on. The title of my teaching tonight is Understanding the Workings of the Spirit of Grace. Understanding the Workings of the Spirit of Grace. Understanding the Workings of the Spirit of Grace. And I really trust God to do that which he alone can do. Honestly, if we end service at this point, we would have quite hit the target that the Lord had in store for us. But just because we love God's word, we would have this as extra toppings. Is that fine? Amen. Amen. All right. So let's open our Bibles to the book of First John. First John chapter, chapter 5. First John chapter 5, I, I would appreciate if someone can be on the keys. Can I, can I ask for Minister Prince Will? Thank you, sir. Please help me celebrate him. <laughs> All right. Okay. I salute you, sir, and my brother, Idia and sister, Tommy. Can you help me celebrate them? (laughs) Praise God. Okay. First, John chapter five from verse seven. Bible says, there are three that, for there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Amen. God's Word, isn't it? There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. And these three are one. Now, verse 8 says that there are three as well that bear witness on the earth. The spirit and the water and the blood. And these three agree. Mm. They agree. (laughs) That's interesting. These three what agree in one. If we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. For this is the witness of God, which he hath testified of his son. He that believeth on the son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made, he that believeth not rather, God hath made him a liar. Oh, sorry. The punctuation in KJV is quite interesting. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar. Because he believeth not the record that God gave of his son. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He that hath the son hath life. And he that hath not the son of God hath not life. But let's backtrack a bit, seven and eight. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. And there are three that bear witness in the earth. The spirit, the water, and the blood. And the Bible says these three, they have to agree. They are not one. Agreement presupposes an act of your will. Do you see? The first three don't agree to be one. They are essentially the same. They've never had divergent wills. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost don't agree to be one. They are one. They don't need to gather and say, oh, what do you think? What do we, what do you, whatever any one of them thinks, all of them think it. Do you understand? They are one. Wow. However, in the earth, there are three that also bear witness, and the words are very different. Bear record, bear witness. The bear witness in the earth, and it says the spirit first, it says blood and water, and these three, they have to agree. Else they will not be one. If they don't agree, they won't be one. So, to bear record is different from to bear witness. God never designed the earth to be autonomous of the heaven. Never. And that's why the highest of prayers is Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven earth is supposed to be a reflection of what is already existent in heaven. So it is in heaven that things are recorded for the first time. Nothing on earth should be happening for the first time. Everything that happens on earth should be a repetition of what has already happened in the heaven. So a witness does not create an event. A witness does not create an event. You don't call a witness a witness box and say, narrate the event. And then the, <laughs> the witness takes matters into his hands and begins to create a, a, an, an imagination that did not exist. That will not be a witness. Right? Because a witness is not burdened with introducing his own ideas. Uh-oh. A witness ought to just regurgitate exactly what you witnessed don't try to make the story more interesting that is not the point we're not trying to be entertained by your witnessing. we want to know the truth what happened that is the role of the earth relative to heaven that's the role of the earth relative to heaven the earth is designed as a witness and in the earth there are three that bear witness and Bible says these three have to agree by the way, blood and water is man. Right? Remember when Jesus appeared to his disciples, right? You know, he showed them his flesh and bones. He said a spirit had not flesh and bones because to be a man you've got to have flesh. And one of the things that makes you have flesh on this earth is the blood that you have inside of you. Do you understand? blood and water. So, that is the component of man in that witness, quote-unquote, framework. So, on earth, the spirit has to engineer the recorded truth into blood and water. So, if you notice, in that framework, the spirit is the common denominator that is both in heaven and on earth At the same time, right? So, we know what has been recorded in heaven, all right? Through the agency of the Holy Ghost in us, praise God. However, that we know what is recorded is not sufficient to make it happen on earth. The blood and water must now agree that, you know what? We have agreed that what is in heaven that is recorded must now be witnessed by the earth. And so, it is the renewing of the mind. It is in the renewing of the mind, you align the willingness of the man to the recorded reality of the spirit. Do you see? A witness does not create narratives. A witness regurgitates, repeats, recounts, has, has observed. So, the role of man is to observe and repeat Let's, 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 sh- let's see a, a good example of what that looks like. John chapter 5 verse 19. Alright. This was how Jesus operated on earth. Jesus did not come to show us how God operates on earth. He came to show us how men, empowered by the Holy Ghost, operate on earth. John chapter 5 verse 19. The, Jesus answered and said unto them, Most assuredly I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees... Now, whatever he sees the father do, the word has done it. The Holy Ghost have done it. They, ag- they are one. They don't agree. They are one. So, whatever he sees the father do, those are the only thing he chooses to do. So, he went to a pool, all right, of Bethesda and he looked up in the heavens and God healed only one man. So, he healed only one man and left. He didn't heal everybody. He didn't try to be spiritual. He just did what he saw. The secret of Jesus' ministry was his observation, the accuracy of his observation. The moment it becomes blurry, his ministry on earth becomes inefficient. The efficiency of his ministry on earth was dependent on the accuracy of his observation. So there are three that bear record. And concerning your life, it is recorded. God is not writing, it's recorded, it's written. Everything about your life, till the day you go to be with the Lord, everything has been recorded. The efficiency of your life begins when you get a peep into what has been recorded. And then you commit to witnessing it upon the face of the earth. Which is why the Holy Ghost makes us into witnesses. Acts 1.8 And you shall be witnesses. We don't create stories. We don't create narratives. We only regurgitate. We only repeat. We only recount as observed. However, before I go too deep into this concept of witnessing. We need to understand three basic concepts. And so we're going to be doing a little bit of teaching. Is that okay? So there is grace, there is love, and there is faith. All right, there's grace, there's love, and then there is faith. What is grace? Quite sadly, a lot of us have, you know, heard grace only in one slant with respect to justification, all right, of the believer, So usually when you hear grace, what comes to your mind is justification by faith. That is the only thing that comes to our mind when we hear grace. Because that is the most dominant slant in which grace is taught. But that is not even what grace is about, actually. If there are departments in grace, maybe that is is just one of the many, 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 many channels of grace. Grace simply means the ability of God to do. That is grace. The ability of God to do anything is his grace. His grace is his ability. His ability to do anything, that is grace. Now, love, what is love? The willingness of God to act in behalf of those, all right, of man. Let's just put it that way. The willingness of God to act in the behalf of man. I'll say that again. Love is God's willingness to act in behalf of man. When a person has grace but does not have love, we say that person is wicked because this person has power to deliver you power to get to your job, power to do stuff for you, but he chooses not to because he does not have the willingness to use his grace in your behalf. So we say that person is wicked. When someone has love but does not have grace, we say that person is limited because the person has love, like your parents in getting you a job, you probably finished school and you were looking for a job, they loved you enough to get you a job if they had a job but they didn't have a job so they were praying for you, they were wishing you well, they were speaking to their friends but they didn't necessarily get you a job because they didn't have the power to So, but they loved you, if they, got, if they had a job they would have given you immediately but they had love but they didn't have grace love only looks best on grace When someone with a lot of grace does not have love, grace doesn't look good on him. When someone with love does not have grace, love doesn't look good on him. (laughs) Because you really want to help someone but you can't. Or you have all the power to help someone but you're not willing to. So your grace is dysfunctional when it lacks love. Like Nabal's grace. Nabal had grace but he didn't have love. All right. David had love in the wilderness but did not have grace. (laughs) Praise God. So love looks best on the one who has grace. Grace looks so good on the one who has love. You see, that's why God is the one that defines love. Any other kind of love is dysfunctional no matter how interesting it looks. Because nobody has grace and love immeasurably. Only God does. So, when God says, I love you, He is loving you with all His grace. All His ability to do anything over and above all you could ever ask or imagine, according to the revelation of His love and grace that is at work within you. So, God's grace is His ability to do anything that He chooses to do. He's so powerful. He's so powerful, He didn't make a thing except by His words. <laughs> There are not 200 galaxies. There are billions of galaxies. None of which involved his hands. He just spoke them. That's how powerful God is. You are the only one he touched. Yeah. <laughs> only you were touched by. He didn't, he didn't as much as touch any of his creations. But when it came to man, oh dear, he, he sculpted man, he formed man. Hi. This love is too much. How can a person of such grace have this kind of love? It's not consistent with man. When man has a lot of grace, he's usually deficient in love. Bible says the rich man speaks rudely. <laughs> There's this distance. There's this high and mighty, you know, tendency with people that have a lot of grace and wealth and power. They're very distant. But he's not that high priest that cannot be touched. By the feelings of our infirmity. He was in every point tempted as we are. Yet without sin. He sees a leper that has not been touched in ages. He touches him. Touches the leper. That's the kind of Jesus we have. Grace and love. Unequivocally dispensed. He was full of grace and truth. Full of it. Full of it. So he has grace. He has love. In no small measure. In no small measure. So grace is God's ability to do love, it is His willingness to use His grace in behalf of man. That is love. So, because God is essentially spirit, God is spirit, God is not man, He is spirit, so He He keeps what He has for man only in a realm called spiritual realm. Ephesians 1 3. Blessed be God who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. So, the format of all the blessings we have in Christ is spiritual. That's the format. The same way you can not transfer MP3 into some other type of format because it's not compatible. So, the spiritual realm um, is, is stores the blessings only in the spirit because that is the essence of his being, his spirit. So, when God doesn't have, God doesn't have money to give you, he doesn't have cars to give you, because he doesn't make cars. He's man that makes cars, It's man that makes these things. God doesn't have those things. God is spirit. and then he stored all the blessings you would ever need for life and for godliness. He stored it in the realm of the spirit. Then he locked it inside Christ Jesus, in the realm of the spirit. Praise God. So there's grace. There is love. Then there is faith. Faith is the side of man that complements the side of God. If I say take. If I say take, Pastor Lou. I see a strong anointing fall on you right now, actually. Amen. Wow, glory to God. Praise God. Don't worry, you don't have to do anything. It's fine. It's on you. It's on you so strong. As I said, take. Amen. Amen. So take it. (laughs) Praise God. So when I say take, right, there's only one way to receive take. You don't, you don't, I don't say take, I say take. The reason why a lot of people don't receive is because when they come to God, they say, "Take." Hey. Let me let me let me try to break it down. Hebrews eleven, Bible says, <laughs> "Without faith, it is impossible to please God." You know, when we read that, we think, "Man, God's standards are so high; you can't even please Him." Ah, ah, what kind of God is this? His standards are so high; it is impossible to please Him. Do you know why that Bible verse reads that way? Because His love. So, love's delight is in the enjoyment of the one he loves in that which he has made available for them. Because he is love, the only thing that pleases him is the full optimization of all his provisions for you. That is the only reason why faith pleases him. Because faith is the only receiver to his grace. That is the only reason. When I take a babe out for dinner, and the babe is managing my resources, I'm not pleased. You, you understand? You understand? When I, I, when I have all the money to spend, I want to lavish. Do you understand? I want you to be a, an emblem of my generosity. You shouldn't go about gisting about how your experience was with me. And you are telling them this, the, 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 the very small thing you ate. And you think I'll be pleased in such narrations. No. I want you to start talking about what you enjoyed while you were with me. That people will have an idea of my grace. Yeah. So, the only type of person that complements my grace is the one that knows how to receive. This is why faith pleases him. Because he has so much to give. Only faith can optimize it. Yeah. Only faith. Faith does not please God as an... And guess what? Faith is the lowest possible requirement for grace lowest just believe Uh -uh. (laughs) that's all faith is the lowest possible requirement for grace this is why faith pleases the lord because only faith complements his grace and this is why faith actually is equivalent to humility they are the same thing you can't separate them When the Bible says he giveth more grace, he only gives grace in the direction of a lower concentration. When you don't tilt the scale of God, you can't receive from him. When you come to God as a colleague, nothing flows. Nothing flows. But the moment you tilt him, ah, he will spoil you. It takes humility to have faith. He that comes to the Father must believe that all the resources are with him. And he's the one giving. He's the rewarder. I don't contribute anything except to come chop. Now my own be that. It's Just to come and receive. This is why faith pleases him. This is why faith pleases him. Because faith optimizes his love. People will not know how much God loves you if your faith does not receive from him. They will think he's a wicked father. They will think he's a limited father. Then we either think it's limited or wicked. Because your faith does not optimize his grace and his love. So when you don't optimize the grace and the love of God, you make God look bad. So when they look at your life, like, are you sure God loves you like this? Because you either make God look wicked if he has grace and he's not willing to use it for you. Or you make him look limited if he has love but does not have enough power and grace to make things happen for his own children. So this is why faith pleases him because faith reflects just about how gracious he is. Just about how loving he is. That's why faith pleases him. Amen. So without faith, it is impossible to please God. He that comes to the Father must put the value with him. He has nothing to give. God has everything to give. All I've come to do is receive. So the guy that went to God with something to contribute said, you know, I'm not like this other guy. I pay my tithe. I attend church. I do all this good stuff. So, uh, you have no choice now to attend to me. I'm the one running your economy, you know. (laughs) And Bible says, he prayed with himself. (laughs) He prayed with himself. The prayer did not pass his nose. He he prayed with himself because that is self-righteousness. And Bible says, your righteousness has filled the rags. You don't come before God with anything to contribute. But Bible says the one that came and smote his chest and said, Oh God, I'm a sinner. I have nothing to offer. I've just come to receive your mercy. Have mercy. Bible says that one went away justified. Because he came with faith, which in that context was humility. Right? He giveth more grace. And what does he do to the the proud? He resists the proud. He resists them. Because there's something incompatible something incompatible about pride and the grace of God. The grace of God. The grace of God. So, so, your faith is your receiver. Your faith is your receiver. Your ability to receive of the grace and the love of God. It's your faith. It's your faith. It's your faith. But you see, all that... God has in store for you is only stored in a realm called spiritual realm in heavenly places. Spiritual realm in heavenly places. He's in heavenly places. Recorded, remember, by the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. Recorded. All your blessings are there recorded in the realm of the Spirit. But you need it here. Why would God store what I need here in heaven? Because He's spirit. If He were a man now, He would store it in a garage. But he's not a man; he is spirit. So he stores it where spirits dwell in heaven. But he didn't store it there to stay there. He stored it there to be routed down here. So there is a courier system. The courier system of heaven is revelation. Revelation is what feeds your faith. Revelation is the courier system. What is revelation? Revelation is information about grace. That's revelation. When you receive information about the ability of God, you receive information about the ability of God. Faith is stirred up, faith rises, faith is built up. When you receive information, revelation about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of the Father towards you, your faith, you don't need to grow your faith. Just maintain revelation. Don't don't focus on your faith and be checking your faith thermometer. Mm -mm. Focus on revelation. Faith is coming by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how faith comes. It comes in packets of revelation. How did you get saved? You heard about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and his love for you. How he died for you. Then you exercised faith in connection with that information about his grace and his love. And then you were saved. And as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. It's the same way you're going to continue to walk by faith for the rest of your life. The Christian life is not for contributors. You don't contribute in this faith lane. You don't. So you may ask, so why do we come to church? Why do we fast? Why do we pray? Ah. So, how faith shows that it has understood the information about God's grace is to do something about it. How faith shows that it has received the information about God's grace and God's love is to do something about it because we are man. We have to work our faith. That is how we show we have faith. Because without works, that faith will be non-existent. You can't have faith and stay still because you are man. That is how you show you have understood and received what you have heard about the grace and the love of God. Like the man at Lystra. Amen? Acts 14. Paul was preaching. We don't know what he was preaching about. But for whatever whatever he was preaching about, this man had faith to be healed it's very likely that the grace to be healed was being communicated through the word of God. And so, as the grace to be healed was being communicated, this man was receiving revelation about the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ to heal him. And as he was receiving that grace by his faith, with his faith, it was getting more evident in his body. He was... He was trying to limp, and Bible says Paul seeing that this man had faith to be healed. How do you see faith with the works of faith? That's how you see faith. You see faith with the works of faith. You can't. You can't be in faith and be dumb. You can't be in faith and be lame. You can't be in faith and be idle. Your leg has to be working. Your hands have to be working. Your mouth has to be speaking. You've got to be about something. If it is faith. So this man heard the word of grace. And he he began to. He began to attempt. I I can walk. Never walked in his life. 38 years. Never walked. I, I can walk. Where did he get the hope. Of the possibility of walking. The grace. God can heal you. He started hearing it. The same word of grace that the woman with the issue of blood heard. And she began to say, wow. 12 years I've been dealing with this thing. Instead of getting better, I keep getting worse. I can be healed. This Jesus is now passing by. I hear he can heal. I hear he can heal. So she began to build up her faith. Alright. So this man had faith to be healed. And Bible says, Paul fastened his gaze on him. Seeing that this man had faith to be healed, stretched out his hand. Picked, picked him up and this man started to walk <laughs> by faith in the grace and the love of the Lord. Amen. So how you apply your faith is in the grace and the love of God. And how this grace and love of God converts and stirs up your faith is via revelation. So without revelation, your faith will be dormant docile the faith you would have is the faith you got saved with and that's where it will be to stay at that level so you got faith to be healed i mean to be saved and that's the faith you have but there's a lot more faith to be built upon that faith depending on the revelation you receive and that's why the church you attend matters to your faith because it is the church you attend that will expose you to the packets of information about the grace and the love of God. Amen. So, revelation is how faith is built. I don't need to try to believe God if I can see that he is capable and willing. I don't need to try and walk up my faith. My faith is already stirred up because I have grace. I've seen grace. I've observed. I've. It has been revealed to me. Hmm. Wow. So, the agency that is in charge of revelation is the Holy Ghost. All right? This is why he's the link between the recorded and the witnessing. If he withholds revelation, you can never receive anything that has been recorded. How he gives you what you need to have is by revealing it to you. Your action just makes it receivable, cashable. So I was, I was on a tangent before that, why do we now do all these things that we do? Why do we, why do we do all those things? Because faith without works is dead. Now, I have an illustration. Somebody told you that under this ground, this particular spot, there is gold. Somebody told you. Are under this ground is gold. You have seen the image, the forensic images. You have seen it. You've seen the gold inside the soil. It's there. You have seen it. Then I'll say, go and get it. How will you dig this place? If you, after two hours of digging, will you stop digging? Why? Because you are certain it's there. You are certain it's there. You don't stop because you know it's there. People stop in well doing, people stop praying. Now, when I dig, was it my digging that put the gold inside? When I'm studying, when I'm studying and studying, that is the labor of faith. This is how you labor to enter into his rest. You labor. It's an investigative labor, not a productive labor. It's an investigative labor, not a productive labor. Your faith does not create anything. It has never created a thing. Everything your faith will ever receive, grace has already made it available. From eternity past, before the foundations of the world, God is not about to start creating what you need now. Your destiny is not being written. It's a closed book God has finished it since. But your faith is what will make it accessible on the earth realm. So the gold is in the ground. No matter how deep it is, I will dig you. Because I know it's there. My digging does not create the gold. Now there are two extremes. There are people who believe that it's my digging that creates the gold. So they boast in their faith my faith got me this. My faith got me that. Your faith can do nothing if grace has not already made it available. (laughs) Faith doesn't create nothing. Faith only discovers what has been created. It's investigative labor, not productive labor. Faith discovers, investigates what has been provided, made available, furnished, perfected in Christ Jesus. Faith just Investigates it. What what is it that God has made available in Christ? Then He continues to investigate. Labor to enter into rest. You labor. For God's word is quick and powerful, sharper than any two edged sword, piercing to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow. It's a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. You you use that word. You, 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 You pierce through the veil of your flesh through the word of God. And through the word of God, the spirit begins to align your body and your water to agree with what the spirit already has discovered. Through the renewing of your mind by the word of God. By the renewing of your mind. The moment, I hey, listen to this. The moment blood and water agree with the spirit, that which was in the spirit, it will just slip out. Imagine, imagine God placed something inside a straw. In the heaven. Then at the exit of the straw, there's blood and water. There's blood and water. So, earth is not experiencing what has been released. Because blood and water has not been renewed to the release of the spirit. So what the spirit will now do through revelation and the using of God's word to chat a way through the veil of your flesh. The blood and water is that it will not continue to till the ground of your soul and your body until they give way to the release of the spirit. The moment blood and water agree with the Holy Ghost concerning that which has been already provided in eternity past in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that which was released will just drop out. That was not when it was created. It was released a long time ago. It was recorded in heaven. But your lack of faith because of your lack of revelation in the grace and the love of God kept it from being released. So the moment faith is established by revelation, all that the Father has in store will, be, to the extent of that revelation. This is why the bulk of the Pauline prayers are revelational prayers. Paul did not pray for the creation of things. But for the enlightenment of our eyes, so that we can see by revelation what has already been made available. But you can't create that sight, the Holy Ghost has to open it. You can't you can't say, I see the car now. I see. Oh, yeah, close your eyes and I see the car. <laughs> that's not how it works. The Holy Ghost has to open your eyes of understanding. That's why you have to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, so that your eyes of understanding. You can't just open that eyes. What did Elijah pray? He prayed for his servant, Elisha now, Gehazi. He prayed for Gehazi that his eyes be opened. His only prayer that can help you open it. This is why we pray. That prayer is like digging. The prayer does not create what you are praying for. So you don't pray to create or make God do anything. You don't go to church. You don't do all the things you do by faith. They are not what is creating What you are receiving by faith. Only that faith had to create a portal of entry to the earth realm. Because the spirit has always been willing. It's the flesh that is too weak to receive the release of the spirit. So what you do by faith is to remove all the disturbances and the resistance of the flesh. The moment you do that by faith and there's no stronger exercise of your faith than the word of God. Receiving the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Here's another illustration. A movie is produced. Five billion dollars in budget. They've produced the movie, it's now in a format locked up in a drive, two hours long movie, sorted. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Whether or not people come to watch it, the movie is done, dusted, sorted, finished, completed, perfected. No editor is working on it anymore. Everything is sorted. But not a single person has watched it. Does it make the grace of God of non-effect? That some did not believe. He does not make the grace of God of non effect he says, let your faith, let him be true. That every man will be a liar. So, guess what? So, the movie has been made. Two billion people watch it. Nobody watches it. It does not improve the provision of the movie. The movie does not get improved by the amount of people that use it. It does not get clearer. It does not get blurrier. The movie does not become less interesting. It does not become more interesting. That same movie can be seen by 10 billion people. And it would still be the exact same movie. And it may not be seen by a single soul. And it will still be the exact same movie. Now, when you are going to see the movie, those are your acts of faith. You heard about the movie. This movie is interesting. When you go to see the movie and you are out of the theater, do people ask you, wow, such a ride to the cinemas. Such a purchase of popcorn. Such an amazing purchase of the tickets. Is that what is talked about? What do you talk about? The movie! movie. All the things you did leading up to experiencing the movie were your acts of faith. The acts of faith didn't put the movie in the cinemas because you can as well do those exact same things if the movie is not there, it's not there. You can have your bath, get a ticket from wherever, go there, stress yourself even more. If the movie is not there, the movie is not there. And guess what? The movie can be there. If you don't get up, have your bath, get into a car, get into the cinemas, and experience the movie, it will be as good as though God didn't do any movie. God did it, you didn't experience it because of your lack of faith. This is why faith without works is dead. Faith is not the works of faith that creates the produce and the blessings of grace. It is your faith that connects you to receive. This is why we pray. This is why we fast. This is why we come to church. Because if you don't do those things, the thickness of the veil of the flesh will be so strong, spirit will not be able to penetrate into the earth. So you do those things to keep the atmosphere of your life available for a release of the spirit. Amen. The last illustration. There's a crime scene. The crime has been committed. There is a criminal. There is a crime. Somebody's dead. Homicide. That crime is solved at an idealistic level. But nobody knows it. When the investigator comes, when the detective comes, his investigation does not create the crime. But because a crime is evidently committed, he now obsesses with the crime scene. He obsesses with all the details. He obsesses about every single thing he saw on the crime scene. Takes the pictures, picks up a point, you know, anything that he sees on the floor, he just begins to obsess. Because detectives have to be obsessive. If you're not obsessive, you can't be a good detective. You have to be very obsessive. So he now obsesses over the crime scene until he unlocks it. What makes him obsessed so much is because he is certain a crime was committed. And if a crime was committed, a criminal committed it. And if he has not been caught, he's still working at large and he could do exactly another thing. Now, imagine that in the inverse way. Something good has been made available. We know it has been made available because there's a word of God there to testify that this thing has been made available. I I cannot experience it yet, but it does not invalidate the provisions of grace. So my persuasion about the provisions of grace now makes me to now obsess over the details of these provisions. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing and the honor of kings to search it out. He has made it available. He has. All that pertains to your life and godliness has been made available. God is not still working on your life. He has finished the work. You are the one left to work out your salvation. With the fear and trembling. He's worked it out. He's finished it. But you then labor to enter into his rest. Because if the rest has not been entered to by God, you can't enter it. So you labor investigatively. You obsess over scripture. This is, see, guess what? This is how God crowns kings. That's the next thing I'm going to show you. Hi. I don't know if we can... Amen. So, three times in the Synoptic Gospels, we have the parable of the sower, right? Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Matthew 13, Mark 4, Luke 8. The parable of the sower. The most powerful algorithm in Scripture. Jesus told his disciples that if you don't understand the parable of the sower, you can't understand the Bible. It's the algorithm. (laughs) So, when you're hearing algorithm, that is your original algorithm. Jesus told his disciples that if you don't understand this thing, how do you want to understand every other thing in the Bible? How? So you need to go and obsess over the parable of the sower. It's a powerful algorithm. So this is what the algorithm, I can't go into all of the details. All right. But in Mark 4 and Luke 8, there is a consistent narrative. Immediately after the parable of the sower, you see these phrases. You, you hear something like, no man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel alright, but he lighted and put it on a candle stand so that it may give light to everybody in the house. You see that exact narrative in Mark 4, you see it in Luke 8, but you don't see it in Matthew 13. You don't see it. And this is how you obsess over scripture. So you're asking your question, yourself question, Matthew 13, what's your own? Why, why, why is he not there in Matthew 13? It's the same flow. Why didn't you put it there? You know where Matthew put it? Put it in Matthew 5. So, but the context in which you put it in Matthew 5, we hardly connect it back to the parable of the sower. So we lose a dispensation of revelation. So let's go to Matthew 5. Let's, let me show you the context that is written in Matthew 5. Matthew 5, verse 14. No, no, no. Yes, yes. 14 to 16. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse fifteen: Neither do men light candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick that it may give light all to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before all men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The exact same narrative, but it is not consist, it's not in the same chapter where the parable of the sower in Matthew shows up. The parable of the sower in Matthew shows up in Matthew thirteen. The parable of the sower in, in, in Mark shows up in Mark four. Preble of the Sower in Luke shows up in Luke 8. And after each of these ones in Mark and Luke, you see, no man light a candle and puts on a bushel So I want you which, reach, reach. But, but you now see it in Matthew 5. It's expanded. You are the light of the world. So the light in Mark 4 and Luke 8, it does not have you are the light of the world. So the, the most popular version of you are the light of the world is only in Matthew 5. The, only, the most popular part of, the, of that narrative is in Matthew 5. But we disconnect it from the framework, the narrative around it. Are you feeling me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, we don't... (laughs) Hey, God have mercy. this This is heavy. Pray in tongues for about 15 seconds. Let's pray in tongues. Glory to God. You exercise yourself in revelation knowledge by praying in the Holy Ghost. You exercise yourself in revelation knowledge. That's how you exercise yourself in revelation knowledge. I pray in the Holy Ghost. Membre di le vacast, tesile vedijsa, kal Membre di valparukoshi, kal padis again. Melebradina Salafia. In Jesus' name we prayed. He says that that light that no one lights and put under a bushel is you. You are that light that no man lights. <laughs> Praise God. If man will not light a candle and put it under a bushel, why will God light you and put you under a bushel? So how does God light you? You get born again. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. Again, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord. That such is the inward part of the belly. No man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. Why will God light your spirit? And puts it under a bushel. The bushel is your flesh. What places the candle that has been lit but still under a bushel on top of a candle stand? is revelation and meditation and that key is in second peter 1 so let's go there you, you your heart has to be open your heart second peter oh dear lord for those that are looking for second peter after habakkuk Lord help me please Maybe about 20 minutes. Is that fine? <laughs> Peter was telling us that he is no more advantaged than us. How many of you have wished you lived in Jesus' time? Don't worry. You don't have to raise. No, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to raise. <laughs> Everybody, one of, every one of us, at some point, we wished Jesus was right there with us. So let me give you a little story. Luke 24... Cleopas and some other guy, they were going to Emmaus, right? After Jesus had said he was going to be raised from the dead. And this was the third day after his death, and he had not been raised. We don't have the news. So Cleopas and Cole were going to their house at Emmaus. And they were justin about what had happened. And Jesus looked at them and said, These guys don't believe what I said. So he walked up to them and said, What's going on? What is happening? Why are you guys talking and gisting and all of that? He said, are you in Israel? I don't know what's going on in Israel. There's a certain man, Jesus Christ, we believe him to be a prophet and, you know, he's died now for a couple of days. He said before he died, that I was going to raise up from the dead the third day. But now, we don't know what has become of him. And for the next several hours, why didn't Jesus just say, look at me, and reveal himself to them? That would have been a lot easier. He did not. Why? Why? Jesus is most known by revelation. It's not by sight. If Jesus shows himself to you now, he prefers you believe him by the words he says that is consistent with the written word than by just, oh, this is Jesus. Oh my God. He does not honor him. What honors him is the revelation of his word in your heart. So, honors him. He's not impressed. So, when you are looking for encounters, look for the right ones. The best of encounters are in the word, And only the Holy Ghost can open them up to you. Only the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost does his best work in meditation. (laughs) So, he's not impressed by how impressed you are by those superlative, spectacular things. There was... A massive earthquake. There was a storm. God was not there. He said he was not there. He said he was not there. But there was... He said he was not there. Ah, is it not God to begin? He said he, he was not there. But you saw it. It happened. There was... But he said he was not there. But then there was a still small voice. He said, that's where I am. So guess what? If you're not attentive, you will miss him. You will miss him. If you are looking for spectacular things, you will most assuredly miss him. So, Jesus could have said, this is Jesus. And he'll be like, wow, it's true. He raised from the dead. Oh, my God. He didn't. Beginning from Moses. Big. He didn't spare them. Beginning from Genesis. Beginning from Moses and all the Psalms and all the prophets, he began to expound unto them things concerning himself. But you are walking with us. Why don't you just show us yourself? And they knew him more by revelation than by asking him questions. How is heaven? How are you? I wish that I was with you. This is why Peter is not more advantaged than you. He said we we saw him on the holy mount. We heard that prevailing voice from heaven, tearing up the heavens, telling us this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased. He Hear him. He said, But hey, don't envy us. You right now have a more sure word of prophecy. You right now. The problem is that you keep him on, on the shelf. That's the problem. You right now have a more sure word of prophecy. But it says there, there is a caution. Take heed. As unto a light. That shines under a bushel. That shines in a dark place. That shines in a dark place. Until the day dawns. And until the day star rises in your heart. For no prophecy of scripture is of any private interpretation. But holy men speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Until that which started as a spark. Like Pastor Tim was talking about. I'm persuaded. A Spark, You meditate on it. What does it mean to be persuaded? Oh, Romans 4 tells me about being persuaded. That he staggered not at the promise of the Lord through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. Giving glory to God. That's how to be persuaded. Giving glory. And you, you focus on the word. You focus on it. You fan it to flames. You fan it to flames. Vicissitudes of life will come to come and steal the word. You say, forget about it. My rent, I know it's due, but it's okay. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded of this very thing. He that has begun a good work in me is able to bring it to pass until the day of Christ. And you begin to meditate. As you meditate, you carry that candle, you put it above. The beggarly element of the bushel upon a candle stand. When you do that, that is a city set on a hill that cannot be hidden. This is how God installs kings. It's by meditation. No? It's not by going to a mountain. No? I, I hope you understand the mountain I'm talking about. Not Orioki. You know the mountains of influence that we hear about. It's not by going to any of those mountains. That's not how you become a king. Though. You become a king by revelation and by meditation. So Proverbs 25-2 now says how God installs kings is by installing things under the earth crust of revelation. Then the kings enthrone themselves by searching it out. Once you search out a revelation God cannot withhold the produce and the blessings from that revelation from you anymore. He can't. There's nothing God can do about it. You have the it, access to that portal you have it how god enthrones men is by living revelations scattered in scripture to the extent that you find is to the extent that you are enthroned so when you receive when you when you excavate the revelation of healing nothing can happen again sorry the devil has lost that battle for life You, you 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 enthrone yourself by discovery of all that God has made available by his grace and his love. And that endeavor is careered by revelation. And of course, it's in meditation that revelation is distilled into your soul through the channel of your spirit. All right. So, no man lights a candle and puts it under a bushel. So, God did not light your spirit only for your spirit to be dominated by the beggarly element of your flesh. Mm-mm. He didn't light your spirit to be dominated by your flesh. Guess what? If I put a candle under a bushel and I did not light any candle and I have a bushel, is there a difference in expression? There's no difference. You don't know the one that is lit. You don't know the one that is not lit. This is why the life of a believer that does not receive revelation constantly and the life of another unbeliever, they can be identical in expression because one will not receive revelation by meditation. One will not read his Bible. One will not use this faith that he has been given. All right, at new birth. He won't use it. He won't receive revelation. He won't receive revelation. And med- all of, he won't receive all of that. So his life looks very identical with the life of an unbeliever whose candle is yet to be lit. So if man will not light a candle and put it on the worship, God did not light your spirit to be dominated by your flesh. And how do you place that spirit on a candle stand? By meditation. You take it as unto a light that shines. In a dark place. It will start in a dark place. Under a bushel. Then you fan it to flames. You fan it to flames. Until the day dawns. And the day star rises in your heart. That is how we receive enthronement. It is the glory of God to conceal a thing. What he conceals by revelation are the blessings he has placed in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. The moment you excavate them, the thing releases into your life. (laughs) You need to get this teaching and listen to it again. That is how God enthrones, men. That is how God... So, when you leave your Bible, you are leaving a gold mine. And you are chasing after shadows. They that observe, forsake their mercy. You leave the scriptures. And you are going from one mountain, one program to the other, asking for favors, laying on of hands. Nothing can be weightier than the hand of scripture in your life. Nothing. 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 And how it opens up is the ministry of the Holy Ghost. I can't go into all of that right now. John 14, John 15, John 16. John 17 talks about the ministry of the Holy Ghost. And all he does is to open up Jesus to you. And Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. Remember, that is the witness in 1 John 5. That God has given us life, and this life is in Christ. But how do I find this life in Christ? It's by milking scripture for that life. That life is in the Word. I can't go any more than I've gone right now. That is how the spirit of grace works. In heaven, it's the spirit of grace. On earth is the spirit of faith. The same spirit. The same spirit. It's the spirit of grace in heaven because that is the provisional headquarters. That is where all the provisions are made. On earth is the spirit of faith because that is the appropriation quarters where all that has been made available in The heavens by the spirit of grace is made accessible and executable and appropriatable by men through the spirit of faith. And that is why you also need to listen to Pastor Timmy's teaching because 2 Corinthians 4.13 tells us how the spirit of faith works. We have in the same spirit of faith. Wherefore it is written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe we therefore speak it's one of the works of faith speaking, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs singing and making a melody in your heart unto the Lord Father we give you praise tonight we thank you Father for the, for the avalanche of your revelation knowledge in our midst tonight we are not impoverished. we're not we're not disadvantaged we're just awaiting revelation We're just waiting on an information about your grace. We're just waiting on an information. And stay there until the day dawns. Until the day star rises in our hearts. We know that there is nothing we will pray for that you are just making happen. We know. Everything we will need for life and godliness has already been made available. But it's only through the knowledge of him who has called us unto grace and virtue. It's only through the knowledge. It's only through the knowledge. So according as his divine power, grace... Has made available all that pertains unto life and godliness. But it is only accessible through the knowledge of him, Christ Jesus, who has called us to glory and virtue. So how we receive this power, this grace, is by faith through revelation in your word. We ask that our hearts are expanded. This is why eternity is in the heart of man. Because the heart of man can expand to accommodate the eternal word of God. Lord, set the eternal word in our hearts and set our lives aflame so that indeed Romans twelve eleven can be true in our lives. That we will, be, we will not be slothful in business. We will be fervent in the spirit. We will serve the Lord all the days of our lives by the help of the Holy Ghost. Thank you, Father, for answer prayers. We give you praise and we give you glory. For in Jesus' precious name, we have prayed. Amen and amen and amen. Can we jam hands together for Jesus? (laughs) Amen. Let's take the communion very quickly. Hallelujah. There will be an outbreak of miracles in this church. Not because there will be an outbreak of miracles in heaven. No. God is not going to make the miracles happen in heaven. This is why, this is what is called the ministry, the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is it. It is the administration of revelation to believers. I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and give you inheritance. It is not when you are receiving inheritance that it was made available. Inheritance has been furnished, finished Perfected. Acts 20, 32. I commend you unto God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance amongst them that are sanctified. That agency that helps your inheritance accessible to you is the Holy Ghost. That is what is called the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is not presently working to create, it's presently working to reveal what has already been furnished, perfected, finished. To give you a sense, just collect your stuff. The blood and the, the body. To give you a sense of what happens when you pray in tongues. <laughs> the Bible shows us what the Arabians and all the proselytes around Acts 2, what they were saying. The Bible says they were speaking of the wondrous works of God. That means... Tongues is always perfected. God is not working. God has finished. When you pray in tongues, you are speaking of the things he has perfected about you. The things he has written, recorded. That's what you are praying in tongues. But you need to pray it in tongues so that you can gain legal authority to work it out in your life. Mm, That's why you pray in tongues. So, those guys gave us a hint as to what you say when you pray in tongues. You are speaking of the wondrous works. I know Sam said it in Psalms 139 that everything concerning your life has been written in a book. So you are speaking of that matter. You are speaking of it when you pray in tongues. You are speaking of the wondrous works. So everything that will happen in your life for the next 10 years, you are already saying it. You are saying it. You don't understand it, but you are already saying it. You are saying it. You are saying it. And that's why you need to pray in tongues a lot, especially if you are here to get married. Because if you pray in tongues a lot before you get married, if the person you are in a relationship with is not your husband, you will break up inadvertently. You can't spray in tongues a lot and air, and air. You can't. It's actually the shield against error is spraying in tongues. Jude 20, Jude 20 was a precaution against false doctrine. So it is a build up yourself on your most faith because, oh, you need your spiritual stature. No, no, no. It was saying it as a precaution to shield you against the infiltration of false doctrine into your life. So he talked about the way of Cain, he talked about the gainsaying of Korah, and he talked about the error of Balaam. Those three doctrines in Jude, he explained them and how they enter into the church and all of those things, and then, but beloved, verse 20, you, build up yourselves on your most holy faith. You can shield yourself from the penetration and infiltration of false doctrine by staying prayed up. So how you shield yourself from error, whether doctrine or life, is by praying in the Holy Ghost. Thank you, thank you, ma'am. Is that praying in the Holy Ghost? Is that praying in the Holy Ghost? So, you are praying in the Holy Ghost, you are in a relationship with, I hope there's no color here. Okay. You are in a relationship with color, and color is not the one. What you are doing in the realm of the Spirit, you are scattering your relationship with, with color. Even though in the flesh, you are saying, I love you. Oh, In the flesh, because your mind is not fruitful, but your spirit has given sufficient permission for God to e- execute that mandate. That you are saying in the realm of the Spirit. So, and this is how you enter and stumble into all kinds of blessings and promotions and miracles. Just pray in tongues. Sufficiently. Alright? You will, you, you will just be aligned. There's no error with the man that prays in the Spirit. There's no error. There's no erring. You pray in tongues a lot. A lot. You exercise yourself in the Holy Ghost. Building up yourselves on your most holy faith. So that means, when you are prayed up on your most holy faith, your most available grace is made accessible. When you are most prayed up on your most holy what? Faith. The reason why it's your most holy faith is because it can't be twatted by you. Because you don't even understand it. Your mind is unfruitful. It's so praying in tongues, is your highest level of faith. You can't twat the plan of God at that level. I can't talk too much on on tongues because we won't live here it's so powerful praying in the Holy Ghost hey, your life will never remain the same again and just like Pastor Timmy said, it is one of the doorways to everything that God has in store for you power, anointing, healing praying in tongues a lot, utterance, prophecy it will come it will come communion is very important of all the things that Paul told us, this was one of the things he literally regurgitated back to us without having been there on the day of the Last Supper. For him to have been able to repeat it exactly the way Jesus said it, it must be something that Jesus himself taught him because when it was being recorded in 1 Corinthians 11, it was not written in black. He said it in the spirit of the Christ. Jesus, I mean, He was not there on the day of the last supper. But by the time Paul was telling us what Jesus said on that day. What Jesus said was not an improvement on what Paul said. And if there's anything we know that Paul repeated verbatim, that was it. Because of how important it is. Because of how important it is. And as you are doing this, what you are doing is that you are getting membered back. If there is a disalignment in your life, there is a membering. You are getting membered. So a disalignment in your finances, a disalignment in your academics, a disalignment in your marriage, you are getting membered. So there is no disalignment in Christ. Do this often in remembrance. You are getting membered. So any part of you that is out of the way, there is an alignment. The feet that hang down, the heads that are bowed, they are getting aligned, they are getting strengthened. So sickness cannot follow you away from here. No, no, no. If it follow you, come. It cannot follow you away. (laughs) It can't. Because you are now going to be membered with Christ. The body of Christ. The same body that somebody touched the clothes of. That same body. Is that same body? The same body. The same one. I need to put weight on it. I know it's light. (laughs) But well, put weight on it. Put weight on it. Three people, different weights. Peter needed Jesus to physically see his mother-in-law. Physically touch his mother-in-law. Physically minister to his mother-in-law. Deliberately engage in the working of that miracle and healing. That's a level of weight. That's the weight he placed on Jesus at that level. The woman with the issue of blood... Placed weight on physically being around Jesus. Jesus did not need to deliberately want to heal her. She put enough weight on being around him. Then there was a centurion who put the weight on his word only. Different levels of weight. Different levels of weight. So, if you place enough weight on this, it can bring a $2 billion breakthrough. It can. This... Just enough weight, oh. Just enough weight. Depending on the kind of weight. Whatever it is you're believing God for. Just place enough weight on this. This is the body of our Lord Jesus Christ. And his body is meat indeed. His blood is drink indeed. So I want you to take take the body with reverence in your heart. With weight. Don't despise what you're doing. It's not just flakes. It's not just something casual. It's powerful. It's powerful. It's powerful. And in the same vein, take the blood. Wow. Pray in tongues. No better way to digest (laughs) the things of the Spirit than by praying in tongues. So just pray pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Some of you may receive instructions tonight. Pray in tongues. Pray in tongues. Praying tongues praying tongues kashila mena 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 sharaba prain tongues prain tongues prain tongues prain tongues i fled these avala bala bala braga braga da bala 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 shala bala 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 ba ebere bere 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 sharaba bala 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 ba sharaba bala 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 ba ebregede bere 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 sharaba thank you lord thank you lord thank you lord Thank you, Lord Jesus. We give you praise. We give you praise. We give you glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. We're going to sing a song that glorifies the Son. You know the beautiful thing about glory? It can't be self-bestowed. It's the same thing about honor as well. Glory and honor cannot be self-bestowed. So because God wants to glorify himself, he has to glorify someone that will glorify him. God cannot glorify himself. He can't do it. So if God wants to glorify himself, he has to extend himself on a man. That man will let his light shine before all men. Men will see his good works and then glorify God. That's how God gets glory. John 17. Glorify your son. That your son may glorify. It's a cycle of glory. Right? So when God spoke from heaven, he said, Alright, I've glorified him and I will glorify him again. And as he glorified the son, the son glorified him. It's a symbiotic cycle of glory. So, there are things God will do in your life. Just so that he can be glorified. There are things, So, you need to glorify him in, in, in words, in songs, in spiritual songs tonight. And as you glorify him, you know what? He will want more glory, so he will glorify you. And then you will receive a lot of the glory and you give it all back to him. And then you'll be like, wow, this is good. So he will glorify you again. And then it's a cycle of glory. So when you don't give glory to God, you have eliminated the next round. You have, you have, you have cut off. So when you, when you, you, don't, you don't absorb glory in this kingdom. No. When glory comes, you reflect it. You don't absorb it. Mm-mm. You don't absorb glory. He has called you to glory. Don't don't hustle for it. He has called you into glory. But when the glory comes, give it back to him. When you give it to him, he will glorify you more. When he glorifies you, you give it back to him. Then he receives the glory. Then he glorifies you. And that's how the cycle of glory is perpetuated. The son of God is lifted high. Can you help me with that? And that's how we wrap up on this session. We believe you've been blessed by God's word today. Do connect with us on all our social media platforms at TBC Out of Zion and listen to our messages at www.soundcloud.com forward slash TBC Out of Zion.